To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Riding out the corona, I bet. Man, oh man, what a wild deal. Just can't help but think about it and talk about it. But I promise this whole podcast will not be about corona. Uh, this podcast has got a different focus today. Um, another thing that's coming up on us is spring bear season. Uh, it opens here in Montana in just a handful of days. I think it opens Wednesday, April 15th. So... Um, I have on my my good friend and really good spring bear hunter, uh, Brandon Purcell. Uh, I really like this guy. Um, you know, experience is the best teacher. And, and Brandon, he goes really hard on his personal hunting for black bears, but then he also guides spring black bear hunters. And in a lot of years, he guides up to 50 days a year. So he just spends so much time in the in the bear woods. And he's located in, in Montana, western Montana, but also hunts Idaho and and uh, hunts all over, really, but um, mainly for bears, Montana and Idaho. Uh, the guy is just a wealth of knowledge. Like I say, so many days of field on so many successful black bear hunts, so good at judging them, so good at locating them, finding them. So when he when he talks about spring bear, I definitely listen. And so uh, this is just a pleasure to get him on the podcast, to time this right with the opener of spring bear season, and uh, to get him on a chat about it. He's so so intelligent and, and uh, articulates it so well, like what he's looking for as far as bears, as far as judging, and and um, and then he's also a thrill seeker, kind of like me. He uh, loves to go chase these things with his bow and arrow. So we talk about when things get squirrely. As I think last year he was also charged by a bear that he hit with an arrow. So pretty wild. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank our sponsors real quick. I want to thank Everly Stock Packs, uh, Everly Stock. They, they build the, the highest quality packs, and they build a pack for for every different need or preference that you have. So the, the packs that I really like um, for expedition hunts and longer style hunts, five days or more, uh, I love their Destroyer soft frame pack. Um, man, it really packs the weight well. It's got plenty of room, uh, great overall design. Uh, and then for my my five days or less, like three to five days, I'm using their little big top, just a, a great pack. Um, I'm using their kite pack as my day pack. Um, they also just got me like a M39, which is this super lightweight little, uh, like almost like a running pack or a lightweight pack. And sometimes when I'm just day hunting, it's so nice, especially when you got to hunt with your pack on your back. Like a lot of times elk, you can't drop your pack and go hunt because the herd could end up two, three miles away. And so you end up hunting with your pack on. If it's a bigger, robust pack, you're definitely not as stealthy. You don't uh, move as, as efficiently, you know, throughout the landscape. And so these smaller packs fit a really good need. But Everly Stock is just a great company. If you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to check them out. I also want to thank Matthews Bows. Uh, I'm so impressed with their their new VXR they came out with this year. Um, I'm shooting their VXR 31 and a half, and it's the best shooting bow I've ever owned. Man, is this thing throwing some groups down there. Super forgiving, quiet. I'm getting great performance out of it. Uh, I just can't say enough good things about this Matthews bow. I was in love 
with with the bows before this, the Triax and the Verdix, were both great bows. Uh, this VXR is better yet. Uh, if you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to shoot a Matthews and just um, just just get a feel for for the forgiving bows that they're building nowadays. I really think their bows are top of the market and can't wait to see what this VXR is going to do for me this season. So uh, make sure to check them out. Thanks again to, to Matthews and Eberly Stock for support of this podcast. Um, also want to thank Eastman's. Uh, check out our magazines. Uh, EBJ, it's the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Bow Hunting Specific Magazine, and EHJ, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, you can get a subscription to both magazines if you text Elevated220 to 22828. Um, that'll get you both magazines, a free Outdoor Edge re- replaceable blade knife, $49.99. Includes shipping and everything. You'd be good to go. Uh, make sure to check out Eastman's uh, Beyond the Grid. Uh, Eastman's Tag Hub is our, is our new service for... Um, for doing all your research on on out-of-state or in-state hunts, all species. And also check out the the new podcast I started, Eastman's On The Fly. Uh, It's a passion project. Uh, I'm just as passionate about fly fishing as I am hunting, and and so it's the same thing as the hunting podcast, where I'm just trying to, to talk about my journey as a fly fisherman. I'm trying to get out and find adventure. And uh, talk to other guys about adventure. And, um, man, live my best life. It is so fun to get out with a fly rod. So make sure to check that out. It's Eastman's On The Fly. should be launched everywhere where you can get podcasts now. Uh, really appreciate the the support and uh, uh, the, the reviews really help me out. And um, so, yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Let's get into this podcast. So today, my guest, Brandon Purcell, Spring Bear Hunting, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. For sure. I mean, yeah, people always talk about living through historic events, and it's like this is not one that I don't think any of us wanted to deal with. <laughs> oh, you know? Yeah, isn't that the truth? <sighs> well, and I just feel so bad, For you sure. know. My my girls have it good. We're in Montana. Everybody's healthy and safe. But, you know, they've just had everything canceled. School, friends, um, you know, volleyball, softball, golf, like just everything they do is just shut down. Um, and, and like my youngest at 12, like it's going to give her a complex, like walking in public spaces and ger- it's going to build, it's going to breed, a, a a whole generation of germaphobes. And I'm trying, you know, I'm talking with my daughters and they, they know about it and you're trying to keep them up to speed, but you can't like, it's going to affect them. It, you can't help, but it not like to live through something like this and especially at a young age, but yeah, man, it's pretty wild. For sure. I mean, there's not, you know we're lucky that there's only 200 and some cases in the whole state, you know, and being the fourth biggest state in the union, but still it like, I mean, you got to wonder what the long reaching impacts of this is going to be like, you know, globally. And then, you know, what is this going to do to like our human connection? Like, are people going to be a lot more distant from each other after this, you know, or like, you know, once it's over, people going to like come together and, you know, it's going to bring out the best in people, you know, after this, you know, are people going to be, you know, reconsider what's important to them, you know? I mean, I think it will for sure, but it's just, it's a fucking weird time to be alive, you know? Yeah, it sure is. Well, and and then the financial strain, I mean, 
thank goodness I, I'm not a wealthy man or anything, but, you know, thank goodness we can pay our bills and, you know, I can still work a little construction for now, you know, until suppliers get shut down and things. And we're working on 20 acres with nobody around putting in footings right now, so it's not that big a deal, you know, but I for feel sure. for, like, financially, like, there's a lot of this nation that's paycheck to paycheck, and I understand it is tough in life. It's tough just to make enough to pay your bills. Like, it costs so much to live nowadays that you spend a lot of your life working to for that lifestyle that you live. And, um, yeah, I just feel, feel bad for people that are out of jobs or out of work or wondering how they're going to make their next payment, you know, I mean – all you can do is really, you know, you try to do some hustling at your house, selling stuff or whatever. But I don't know how long that lasts in my house. I got some hunting gear and stuff, but that would run out pretty quick. But just going to have to yeah, no have to make more, you know, once we can get out there and get into the world and start working again or whatever. But, yeah, I sure feel bad for people. For sure. Yeah. Well, the nice sure. thing is, is uh, living in Montana, we do have a couple things that can take our mind off this deal. Uh, one's fishing. I've been uh, my daughter's my new fishing partner for like about the past five trips or so. So she's really getting into it. Um, but we do have bear season coming up. So as of now, everything's still on. Uh, April fifteenth, it's going to open up. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite seasons of the year, and I know it's one of yours too. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm I'm stoked. We've been I don't know what your guys' weather's been like, but we've had like the return of winter like for the last like five or six days and it was like it was looking good. You know, these canyons and the bitter were looking pretty good before that. They still don't look too bad, but it's like, man you know, <laughs> you get like a spur of winter weather at the beginning of the month. It's just like <laughs> prospects of seeing them real early aren't too great right now i don't know you know like, <laughs> it, it can was, it can it change pretty quick but yeah for sure yeah i'm sure. with I mean, you. you can definitely pick up a few in the canyons you know early like coming out of their dens but you know it doesn't really start picking up until may that's the deal with bear season is we all get so excited to go, but it's tough early and, and you can just, you can grind yourself to a halt or wear yourself out before the bears are even out and feeding on the green grass. For sure. <laughs> I see a lot of guys yeah. do it, you know, they just go so hard so early putting in so much effort. And the problem is, is the bears just aren't out yet. Like the bears start coming out in April usually, and it's weather dependent, just like Brandon's saying. And um, they start coming out, but they, they really need that grass and that feed to start coming up. And I always say, um, just like Brandon described, like looking in the canyons is that start of the season, the first two weeks or even the first three weeks for that matter, is I'm looking in denning locations. I'm, I'm not looking in feeding locations. So there's some meadows where I'm looking, but I'm looking in steep, rough, rocky country. And, and I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for a bear that'll come out of his den. He'll wander around and heck half the time you don't even know what he's eating. It's like he's eating rocks and pine cones out because there's hardly any grass or anything. Right. For sure. Yeah. Like here locally, I mean, you know, not that, I mean, the, the gravelies are obviously gentle, gentler in places and the Madison's are pretty rough, but I mean, the bitter roots, I mean, you're looking at like, you're looking at goat country, you know? And so here, what I look for you know, for anybody that's listening, trying to get into this and find them early is you can find like those rock ledges that have like some benches on top of them. Those are like the first places here that green up because that's the rocks 
melt off in the sunlight and then they melt the snow above it. And, you know, that's the first place where you see those, that green grass. And what I'll look for is a place where like, there's, you know, people talk like bears need water. Well, there's no need a lot of water. They need like a seep. And so if you find those ledges that are like wet, like the rock like visibly be wet and there's green grass on top of it, that is like dynamite. I have had two years ago, there was one ledge in one canyon, I think we saw five different bears on. Not at the same time, but through the course of like two or three days right at the start of the season, there was five different bears on that ledge. And, you know, it's like if you can find that spot they're hitting, you know, there might be just like one or two spots in each canyon that's even viable right now. But if you can like, you know, conjure up the patience to sit there and watch it, you can find them. But it's definitely like, and it's not like you're having like five, six, you know, or even like 15 bear days, like you will later in the season, you know, it's just like you're seeing one bear a day, maybe. And that's tough. Yeah. Um, great description and insight. Uh, you're like the best bear hunter. I know when you talk about it, uh, those benches with the seeps with water, you describe it perfectly for where those bears like I have rough and rugged terrain that's similar. Um, and, and now that you say seeps, it, like, I forget bears need water because looking around here where I find them, I never really find water where they're at. They're usually way above it, a 1,000 feet or 500 feet, and I never see them come down to the river to drink. But I think you're right. They're just finding those little seeps in the rock. And then, yeah, just like uh, open benches, I'd say over here it's like like an open meadow on the north side, like just a little opening or a, a chute and – um. Yeah, there's they'll they'll just be a little bit of green grass in there, and it seems like they come outside of their dens and they'll come and feed for a while. And like the for the first two weeks, it seems like they just hang out in that spot. Like I'll see them multiple times because they're just hanging around that den. They don't want to go too far from that den. But same thing as you're seeing like super steep country. Like you see goats on that side hill and sheep, and it's just all pretty much rock and grass and you get over there it's a nightmare to try to hunt them in that stuff but you get over there and um it you know it's twice as steep as you think you know in some of this granite country that i'm hunting but yeah you described it perfectly for early season bears but it is important not to wear yourself out doing it because like you said one bear a day maybe or you can go get skunked for five days too you know just because yeah. they're not out in all the spots especially if you don't know what you're looking for for sure. And that, like, for me, when I first got into bear hunting, I mean, that's probably like, you know, it was almost a decade ago, you know, and it's like, I would always watch these guys like Matt Singer and those guys, and they're like, you know, every day it seemed like they were posting up pictures of bears or whatever. I'm just like struggling. And then once I kind of started to dial it in, you know, early season is tough, like, for sure. Like, there's like three periods, I feel like, of the bear hunting season. There's early season, and then there's pre-rut, and then there's the rut. And for sure, early season, you can find them early season. It can be really fun. It's, I definitely feel like it's more of like a rifle hunt, you know, cause like some of that country is so steep and so gnarly. Like you could definitely, you definitely can bow hunt them, but it's, it's harder for sure. Um, definitely easier to get into like 300 yards rather than 30. Um, but then that mid season, man, that's like, that's the ticket. The days aren't so long yet, you know, and you're seeing like, bears movement and stuff and you know that rut can be pretty exciting too yeah for let's, sure. um, but, you know. 
you're spot on that. So in the early season, I've probably gone on 20 stocks. I am yet to kill an early season bear. And I think of it the same way, like um, three seasons. And I always go during that early season and I've developed some really good spots where I do find and see some big bears, but I am yet to kill one during that season. So uh, your advice is spot on. And I know you love to bow hunt bears. In fact, you killed another one last year. So it, it's not it's not that you don't like to bow hunt. Like when you describe that as being a rifle season, um, that's the that's what's effective during that early season because they're just tough to get close to. For sure. Yeah, last year I saw like – Last winter, I saw this area that didn't have a lot of snow on it, and I was, you know, kept a mental note. And I was like, I'm going to go there on the opener because it's going to be, you know, favorable conditions. And sure enough, like opening day, I saw probably like <clears throat> that bear had to have been like over six and a half feet, just dark chocolate, beautiful bear. Showed up right in the right spot, right on the ledge. And, you know, I, I had my bow because I was like, I want to do it with a bow, you know. I'm like, I've killed more bears with a bow than I have with a rifle. And I was like, I'm going to go stalk him. And, yeah, I get over there and it's just like loud and like crusty and it's just like, dude, I was having such a, the cliff he was living on was like pretty inaccessible and like just getting there. I mean, I had no choice but to like, just to get up there, I was making so much noise, you know, and I was trying not to, but it was like, you can't help it at a certain point. And then when I was coming down off of there, you know, I waited him out until dark and he must have heard me because those big bears, like they can definitely hear pretty, pretty well. And so when I was coming down off of there, I took this route down and I like came onto a rock outcrop and it was like like 300 yards from him, you know, and it's like, had I had a rifle, I probably could have filled my tag, you know, but it was like, I was trying to bow hunt him, you know, and just like, cause that stock when you're bow hunting is like pretty unreal, you know, and you're a full draw from a bear. (laughs) I mean, you know, it'll pucker you up for sure. But you know, I think there's a time and a place for it. I think that that mid-season in the rut is definitely the better time to bow hunt. That early season, man, is just like, unless, you know, you start getting to the end of April, it gets more favorable conditions. But, man, that first two weeks, that's a that's a tough row to hoe if you're trying to do it with a bow, you know. Oh, my gosh. Is it ever? Yeah, it's a, it is tough. Um, it, yeah, but it's so thrilling. Like you say, it's so fun to chase those things with the bow and arrow that uh, I almost can't help myself. But but you're right about that as it's low percentage. And, and really, you want to be careful in this time of year, guys. This is when everybody burns themselves out and then doesn't go when it's good. Like, you know, test the waters a little bit, make some theories, get out and hunt this season. You know, maybe you get lucky and find one in a good spot. And I've definitely, throughout these stocks, I've definitely been close and had some good opportunities on bears. And heck, I've screwed some up. But, you know, I remember one great big chocolate. I got dang swang the, swam the river, uh, uh, inner tube the river. It was before I had a raft, inner tube and waders, and then tried to doggy paddle my way across with my bow and my pack and get over there. And I climb up and I get right to where this bear is. And he's right down below me. And I'm trying to angle to get a shot. And I'm looking at the bear, and I'm taking a step to my left to get around this tree, and I stepped right on a twig. And that bear's head swung around and looked at me, and I froze, and we sat there frozen for like a minute. And then he started to turn his head slowly, and then all of a sudden he was gone and out of there. And I was like, oh, man, I totally screwed that one up on a big chocolate. But tough in that, that early season, like you say. 
Um, but but don't wear yourself out, and better days are coming. That mid-season, um, I think of that season when bears start to really get on the grasses and um, you start to see yep. them in feeding features and in meadow grass, and I feel like they move from their dens and they just start getting into like um, uh, bear, bear zones and bear country. And I, I really focus on the elevation this time of year. And then you're a huge proponent, Brennan, of like the master vantage point. That's like all that's where where you'll sit all the time and you'll sit there all day long. You love a good master vantage point, as do I. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of guys like, you know, when I was guiding and stuff, you know, I'd be I'd be sitting on one perch all day. And, you know, some of these other guides would be, you know, they'd be going to one spot, not seeing anything, go to another spot, go to another spot. And it's like you know, when I started looking at the numbers and then my clients are like, you know, here and everybody, all the other clients like talking at night. And it's like, dude, we would sit on the same point. And I mean, the best day I ever did, I think I saw 16 bears in one day, wow, which was insane. I mean, that was insane. And it was like, the guys are making fun of me. Like, Oh, you can't just count one that walks behind a tree and comes back out as a different bear. <laughs> like, no, 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 that's not what it was. But you know, if you can get to a spot that you can see a lot of country, you're so much better off like sitting there and waiting for the, you know, and if you're being selective, you're not just like looking at a bear and being like, all right, we're going to kill that bear. It's like, you're looking for the bear. You're looking for like a mature bear, the big head, big body, you know? And it's like, you have a lot better opportunity of killing that bear. If you sit in one spot and just like, do your, let your eyes do the walk. I mean, you get a good pair of binos and a spotting scope. There's not a whole lot you can't see. I mean, you're looking at a black black or brown animal. I mean, in your case, you guys have some more blondes over there, but they stand out pretty good once you kind of know what you're looking for, you know? It's like, yeah, it kind of sucks sometimes when you see them and they're really far away and you got to run at them. I mean, even that bear that you and I went after last year, I mean, I was gassed <laughs> side, you know? It's just like, but that's, that's the best way to kill them, you know? And it's like, it can be it's absolute like absolutely chaotic once you spot the bear you want to go after. But I mean, that's the rush, man. That's like almost better than the kills when you find that bear that you want to go after and you're like, all right, go time, you know? Oh, it so is when you create that opportunity and bear stocks, it seems like you never find those things in this meadow that you're sitting on or real close to you, like right down off the ledge down below you. You get to make a play on a giant bear down there Every time I see a bear, I'm sitting on a master vantage point. I'm looking over miles of country, and I see that bear so far off, I have to wonder if I can even get to the thing. I'm like, man, how many hours is it going to take me to get to that thing? So last year, we found ourselves uh, in, in one of your really good spots. We connected, and you took me up to one of your vantage points, which was just so kill. It was this uh, rock outcropping that came out, and then it looked over the whole other side of the canyon for probably five or six miles down this canyon of just perfect bear habitat. And this is right as we're starting to get into mid-season. Bears are starting to get on the grass. And I can't remember if we saw three or saw five that day, but we went for one. And every bear stock I go for, it's like all of a sudden you go, okay, that's the bear I want. Okay, you know, I'm all in. I'm going to go for him. I think we saw that bear once and he disappeared or maybe another one and then came back out in a good spot. 
but we yep. were running down the mountain. We ran down the steepest hillside through the timber, got down to the bottom, <laughs> got down to the bottom, and it was a long run too. It was like a couple miles, but it wasn't just like downhill. It was like down a forty or fifty degree slope of just loose terrain yeah. and rock and and everything else. We ran down to the bottom couldn't find where we crossed the creek and so then we just crossed the creek and got our legs and our feet wet and everything and then you start the climb and you're just climbing as fast as you can go to get this thousand feet you need and then i always liked her and you like the same tactic uh trying to relocate that bear from over there on the hillside and we looked for him i don't know if our scent drifted up there or something but we never did see that bear again but that is like every bear stock i go for they're always just so far two hours of grinding just to give yourself a chance to relocate them um do you ever get yep. the easy bears brandon uh, last year, the bear I got was the easy bear. It was like, I was, <clears throat> because we going elk hunting, you know, I think it was the, I want to say it was the second day of the season and I was driving up a road and I was just like looking out the window and I was like, Oh, there's a bear. And it was like 300 yards away, you know? And I'm like wearing Chacos and I was like, well, I think I better go for it. It was a really cool looking bear. He's like chocolate. Most of him was chocolate and he kind of had like a cinnamon, He's all like rosted out his like hair on his back was all like dreadlocked and it was crazy. But anyway, I like went and stalked in on that thing in my Chacos and like that all I brought was my bow. Like no bear spray, no gun. And I shot him at like thirty three yards, you know? And dude, just sim- similar to like your bear story from last year is like I shot him and he turned around and ran straight at me. And I'm just like, dude, I'm just shitting bullets. I'm trying to like, you know, he wasn't a great big bear. He was like five and a half feet. But it was still like, dude, you got a bear running straight at you. It's a little, it'll pucker you up a little bit, you know. I'm like trying to knock another arrow. And thankfully, he only made it like 12 yards from where I shot him to where he died. But it was still like, whew, you know. Oh, <laughs> man. That was the easiest one. That was the easiest one I've ever, you know, even like guiding and all that. Like, that's the easiest one I've ever killed for sure. He was, 250 yards off the road you know i mean not well, bad you got to take the easy ones with the tough ones bear hunting and every once in a while you will get one of those sightings i say never but you you do you spend enough time in the bear woods and you look around enough eventually you get like an easier sighting or you know instead of having to cross the river hey there's one on my side down below us or you know hey there's one off the vantage point right there 300 yards like that does happen but it just seems like the majority of stocks are always so far like uh, so far to hike so far to walk and you get all the way over there the bear's gone anyways you know but you just try to give yourself a chance find like a i like to find a vantage point over off the other side that i can try to relocate them on but it it's always just sending it but um yeah and then stuff can go sideways like on your bear um thank goodness you made a good shot on that thing the the bears aren't like shooting a deer or an elk you shoot a bear and you wonder what you just did right especially with an arrow when you're that close for sure yeah i mean the like the first bear that i shot with a bow I mean, I'd been, like, grinding it out. I think I'd been bear hunting, like, three years or something like that. And I hadn't – because I'd been bow hunting, you know. And I'm just, like, you know, I hadn't connected yet. And I was, like, you know, you get – you start to get frustrated. Three years and you haven't killed anything. You know, you're just, like, dude, this sucks. I guess I'd killed one in the fall two years before that. But this was, like – that was on an elk hunt. And this was specific spring bear, you know. 
and I saw that bear from like a mile out and it was like a full on sprint to get in there. And I spotted him at like, when I closed half the distance, I spotted him again. He was bedded underneath a tree, you know, and I snuck into 40 yards as he was sleeping and I couldn't tell what end was which when I got there, you know, I'm like sitting there on him at 40 yards, arrow knocked and couldn't decide like, man, where should I shoot? You know, cause the bear's vitals are like pretty far back. You know, they're not like, it's not like a deer or an elk where you shoot them in the shoulder and then they're like pinned, you know, it's like shoot a bear in the shoulder and you're never going to find it again. But so like I'm sitting there waiting on this bear and I like cracked a twig on accident with my foot and that bear like sat up and he was like a, you know, he was a Pope and young bear. He's a pretty big bear. And he's sitting up like a dog, like looking at me, like staring through me and he can't see me, you know? And I'm like, my heart's just like beating. And I was like, he, he's got to be able to hear my heartbeat, you know, it's like in your head, you know? And uh, he lays back down and I smoked him at 40 yards. And as soon as I hit him, he stood up on his hind legs and he was like, I think he measured out at six foot, like head to tail. But when he's standing up on his hind legs, I mean, he's probably like seven and a half feet tall, you know? Oh my gosh. And I'm 40, 40 yards from him with nothing but a bow. I'm by myself, you know? And I was like, man, I don't think I've ever re-knocked an arrow like faster in my life, you know? <laughs> and the first shot was good. I mean, it was like full on heart shot, you know? I mean, he was like done but he's like standing there and I'm just like, Oh God, this is insane. And he drops back down and I put another arrow in him. And I mean, he died in five yards, but it was still like, once, once you release that arrow, I mean, it's just like, you're just like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like, I don't know if you hit him, if you hit him good with an arrow, I feel like they die pretty quickly, but it's still like, I don't know, it's a very primal feeling. I feel like shooting him with a bow. Oh, that's a good way to describe it. It is primal. It is a different feeling running a an arrow through a bear that's dangerous game. It just is. It's just a a different. Oh no, what did I do? Your adrenaline just starts rushing like um, off the yeah. charge because you're almost you're in <laughs> danger at that point. You know. Um. Yeah, that is a crazy feeling. I just try to give those bears a wide burst, stay out of their way, and I only go inside 100 yards if I'm trying to kill it. And anymore, I carry that pistol. I just had um, Mike Glover back on the podcast and have him – he gave me some great insight. Like he's a he was a Navy SEAL special forces and talked about shooting pistols and shooting under pressure and how he says – you know, that's normal not to even see your front sight until about the third or fourth shot. You know, for me, it was the seventh or eighth shot, but he just had some great insight into like pistol shooting, you know, and it was after last year's deal. I've had a couple close calls with these things where, you know, they're not really looking to kill me after I shoot them. They're, they're just ornery and they're mad and just got stung by an arrow and pissed and like they, they just run in a direction that I'm in and I'm forced to defend my position. And the one bear, he came my way, and I huffed at him, and then he pinned his ears back and came right at me. And I put a second arrow in him. Oof. You know, thank God I had a good Oof. arrow in him already, you know. It's like slowing For down sure. a little bit. But, yeah, it can definitely go sideways with a bear. And you feel that, like, on those stalks. And when you are going inside the danger zone, inside 100 yards, it, it's just a different stalk, different adrenaline, because you are putting yourself – in the danger zone of a bear, most of the time we're by ourselves, or even if we have a buddy, he's usually watching from behind or something. But it it is a, a strange feeling 
but I I like it. It's like uh, it's like uh, the blue collar's way to hunt dangerous game, and it's kind of what we get here um, in the states. Man, I absolutely love it. There's just nothing like it for me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's weird. Like every stock that I've put on a bear with my bow, I'm like incredibly calm until I touch that release. And then it's like, as soon as that arrow's on the way, I feel like my adrenaline like spikes, you know? And then I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it hits me then, you know, it's like sometimes, you know, I've had clients with rifles. It's like you put them behind the rifle and that's when their adrenaline hits. But with the bow, it's like, you got to stay pretty calm because like what you're doing, you know? And it's like, whew, that's a, it's definitely like, I don't know. It's an addicting rush for sure. You know? Yeah, you have to think through the situation and like be calm and collected. You like uh, you 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 definitely have some adrenaline surging through you, but you got to keep control of it. And I know what you mean. It's it's way better to be the guy that gets excited right after he shoots than than the guy that gets really excited before he shoots. Like that's not a good combination. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it is. It's tough. Like I I just find myself so focused on the task at hand, trying to get into range, trying to look for my shot and bears so stalking bears you know they are nearsighted I, I they catch movement fairly well like if you're moving and their heads up they'll see you but if their heads down feeding or if they're not looking your direction you can get away with a touch more than i think you can get away with on deer and elk where you can't cheat a bear is of course the wind you know you just like you can't even mess yeah. with the wind you you can't even be thinking if the wind's bad because they they can smell seven times what a bloodhound can. They just they got you pegged. If you got busted, it was probably the wind. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's you know they'll bust you from like hundreds of yards. You know it's just like it's not even. I mean yeah, when you get close, it's like you definitely got to be careful. But man, those things are have such an acute sense of smell, and they're not gonna like. You know it's weird. They just like they they don't want to mess with people at all. You know, most bears are going to just try, like most black bears are going to try way harder than you are to stay away from them. You know, it's like they smell him and they're gone. And I think they can tell, like I was reading something on like a bear can tell when another animal has been in the area, like within like how many days it's been there. You know, so if something was there like six days before, it can tell it was there six days before. If it was there, you know, two hours before, it can tell that. So, I mean, if it if it has like that kind of sense of smell, I mean, it can definitely tell when you're like half a mile out, and it can definitely tell when you're like 200 yards. You know? Yeah, I do know. Yeah, you're spot on. I've heard that too, that they can tell time with their noses, and it's tough for us as humans to understand what their smell can actually do but you're right they're mapping their whole world by smells and they can tell time of when something's been dead and you know when an animal's crossed through there by the day by the hour so yeah they can definitely tell how close you are by how much scent they get and so you can imagine that thing gets a gust of your scent at 40 yards it's spooking like a white tail it's trying to get the heck out of there yeah yeah and bears like crash off too. I mean, I've had like bears win me and it's like, man, I've never heard an animal like blow out of the country like that. They'll like just run through shit. I mean, they'll just like plow trees over, you know, it's just like, you're like, this is, that's an incredible animal, you know? Yeah. Like elk spooking, right? They're not like deer spooking. They're like elk. They just crash through whatever they're going through, making a, a huge ruckus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so uh, we're into mid-season. We're still grabbing really good vantage points, looking under the snow line. So as the snow line climbs, usually within the first 1,000, 2,000 feet below the snow line, and um, starting to look for green features and green meadow grass. And then, Brandon, I just want to revisit, like, judging black bears. And black bears aren't a giant animal to begin with. And so, like you were talking, a five-and-a-half-footer you shot last year, you know, that's my last couple bears have been, like, just good five-and-a-half-foot boars, you know, 17, 18-inch skull, usually usually an 18-inch skull for a bear that size. But it just depends. Um so, sure. so maybe walk walk me through like what you're looking for when you're looking for a bear or judging up a bear um, because you're trying not to shoot a small one and uh, you know and any bear is a good bear and you have to start somewhere but eventually you start targeting these mature boars so tell me what you look for when you're judging these things for sure yeah like I think you know when you see a really big bear you know it the toughest ones to judge are like the medium to like medium large bears, you know, like the, the ones that are like six and a half to seven feet. I mean, it's like a no brainer. It's like seeing a 350 bull. I mean, you're just like, yep. You know, like there's no question. Their body is huge. They look like a bodybuilder. I mean, they're like the biggest thing that I try to tell people is when you look at the bear, if you can get a, if they're walking on like a level plane or even just like if their feet are level, you know, with each other, if the front feet and their back feet are level, a sow is going to have like a bigger butt and they're going to be sloped like down towards their nose or towards their head, you know, from their butt, like their butt is going to be like the highest part of their body. Almost. They're going to have a slight, like almost like a slight uh, sway back, like a horse almost, you know, it's going to like have a big butt, a little bit of a sway back, a tiny little shoulder hump almost. I mean, cause people kind of mistake, boars for sows they're like that one has a shoulder hump you're like no it has a huge butt you know and then it has like you can generally like identify if you watch them for long enough i mean their heads are substantially smaller you know i mean that's like a dead giveaway it can be a little hard from like distance but you know it's one thing i try to caution guys on is just like you know i know it's exciting to see them but just try to watch them as long as you can to try to get like a good judge on them those boars you know when you look at them their butt is going to be lower than their shoulders most of the time. They'll either be like level or, you know, angled up from their butt to their shoulders. And they kind of look like, you know, the rock, you know, just like this hulk of a, like the big ones. I mean, their front end is just like giant and they just like, look, I mean, I know it's hard to judge cause like, you know, big bull elk. I mean, you can obviously tell cause they have the rack, but you know, bears, it's like, you know, you can kind of try to look at like some bigger trees that are close to them, you know, and just kind of try to like, be like, okay, well, that's a really big ponderosa. You know, that bear's length is, you know, two times the width of that tree. You know, it can be tough for sure, but I think that, you know, if you can watch them for long enough, those big bears kind of have a different behavior almost. Like some of those smaller bears will kind of act a little skittish. They'll be like looking around the whole time, like looking over their shoulder um that can also be a good indication that there's a bigger bear around if the like you see a bear and it's like looking around constantly i mean it's looking over its shoulder because there are some you know there's bears that weigh 75 pounds and there's bears that weigh 400 you know and so if a bear is sitting there looking around there might be a chance there's a bigger bear in that country you know um and those bigger bears man they like they're running the show 
you know, you, you can just tell like they have not a care in the world. They're not looking around. They're just focused on what they're doing. I saw a bear. Well, actually it was back to back days with clients uh, a couple years ago. We saw like a seven and a half footer, which was like the, the biggest bear I've ever seen. And we missed that bear. And then the next day we ended up killing a bear that was like six foot seven, I think. But physically it was like probably 25% like girthier than the seven and a half footer. But you could just tell like looking at those bears, even from distance. I mean, you're looking at them through on 50 power through the spotter and it's like, man, they just dwarf any other bear you've seen, you know, and they're bravado when they're like walking around the hillside. I mean, it's like unmistakable when you see that, you know, um, it can be kind of tough mid season trying to judge that. Cause you're looking at solo bears. I think once you start getting towards the rut and into the rut, it get a little bit easier. Cause like generally when you see, you know, you, you can like, if you can find a sow, there's going to be a boar with her and that'll give you like a pretty good side by side. You know, if you, if you hunt into that later into the, that June timeframe, cause you'll physically be able to see the difference. You'll see the sow and then you'll see the boar behind her. And it's like night and day. I mean, those sows, like, there can be some pretty big sows, but they're not physically what a boar is, you know, not at all. Oh, man, what a great description. Yeah, that that's it. And the, those big bears, you're right, you just know it. And the, the tough ones are the mediums, which is tough for us bow hunters if we're looking for a five-and-a-half-footer, because that five to six foot is like the medium range, you know, and you you really For don't sure. want to, you know, not that a five footer is a bad bear, but you really don't want to kill a five footer, but you'd really like to kill one around six foot, you know, and so that is a tough, yep. like a, a, a tough zone to try to judge those things. But those big ones, you just know, God, I'm hunting this one with Dan last year and I, God, I, it was they just blow your mind when you see it. it was just one of the biggest bears I have ever chased in my entire life. It was as big as a Volkswagen bus when we saw it. And then we had the thing yep. at 50 yards, both of us crouched in a met. It was just the biggest bear. Um, got length girth, just an older bear. I sure love to run into that one again. He just got a little nervous. He was walking at 50. Dan was waiting for him to stop and he walked like too much over the rise where then he could see us two idiots crouched down in the meadow. Like at first we were hidden, you know, and then he walked up, but he was the biggest bear. I remember stalking that bear and Dan wanted me to stalk with my pistol. He's like, you got your pistol, right? I was like, it was like a great big one that looked like he could eat you. You know, it was just a great big bear, but um, (laughs) (laughs) man, that is so fun. And, And I like that, that rut, that later season. So I really like the mid season or the second season we're talking about, Bears are focused on food sources. You can kind of pattern them a little bit. If they go into some timber, you're like, okay, where is he going to come back out at? And um, they're focused on that food source. But then it gets really fun that late season into that late May, June time frame when they do start to rut because it, it, it gets – they can be tough to catch up to because they're traveling country, but they do those sor- those sows just start to have those boars with them, and that's where you really get to see like a giant boar when you can compare them to a sow too, and just how muscly and how bigger they are, how much bigger they are. Um, that's a fun time of year. For sure, yeah. The like, you know, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, I think the pro to it is that you do get to see those bears together, and you can really judge size. You know. But I mean, when it's light till 10 o'clock, it's, that's tough. I mean, especially if you're like 
backpacking in. I mean, you know, for a working class guy, the rut is almost the time to hunt because, I mean, you could get off work at 5 o'clock and still have a hell of a good hunt in the evening. You know, I mean, it's late. You know, Montana, at the end, at the end of our season, June 15th, I mean, it is literally late till 10 o'clock. I've had a lot of days where you, like, walk out of the woods and it's, like, midnight before you even hit your truck, you know. Um, but, man, that is – it's just such – like, it's such favorable weather. The runoff is generally, like, kind of subsided in a lot of those mountain streams, which can be, like, completely treacherous, like, mid-season, you know, like that that early to late – early to mid-May can be, like, really scary up there. But a lot of times by like that June hunt, those, those streams have kind of subsided a little bit. And so it's a little bit less sketchy, but yeah, man, that everything's green and then pocket where that sow's hanging out. It's just awesome. You know, and I've, I've guided, well, the biggest bear I've ever guided that we, we shot him in the rut. And I think it was like June 6th or something like that. But that bear was like six foot nine. I mean, it was just like insane. You could tell immediately with the binos that it was just a giant. You know, and I think we spotted him like a mile out, and it wasn't even like there's no question. You're just like that is a giant. Just physically, you're like, Phew. and then packing that thing out, man. That was like that was a chore. The hide was like, I mean, ungodly heavy, you know, but worth it, you know. Oh, it's so fun. We're ready for some springtime adventures around here. It's such a great yeah. season. And it, it just sharpens your skills so much, you know, be, one, because bears are tough to figure out and tough to hone in your skills. But two, you just gain so much great experience behind the glass, stalking, making plays. It, it, it's just the, the best adventure you can have out west in the springtime. And it's available to everybody, you know, well, most years. Um, hopefully Idaho gets their stuff straightened out and opens a bear season. But um, we always have Montana, you know, for us locals here. Um and then there's, you know, some other good states, too. I know Colorado is having a real problem with their bears down there. Uh, I didn't look to see if yep. they were going to open a spring season. They closed that down, but they're offering bear tags uh, really inexpensive in a lot of their units now. So, you know, I don't think they're going to be too far before they have one. I I love some of that Wyoming. I haven't looked into their bear seasons, and partly just because we've got such good hunting here in Montana and Idaho that, that I've just kind of focused there. And I, I'm with you. I was really looking forward to getting to Idaho. And as it gets later into the season and later into the the rut, you know, there's a lot of these mountains that, that aren't 10,000 feet tall. And these bears start hanging in these alpine basins up top of these features. Really cool hunting, like where you'd be hunting high country mule deer, it feels like. And everything's green, a lot of animals out. It, it's just an awesome season. And I also don't have you know, three states I'm trying to hunt or five different animals I'm trying to hunt. I have one tag. I've got one bear tag, and then I'm just out for that bear day in, day out. And it seems like you can put a bunch of days and just have a bunch of fun, too, with buddies. I really enjoy hunting with you. We have to make sure that we team up this year, both in my valley and and uh, your home valleys, uh, uh, even traveling. But we got to make sure we hook up because there's nothing better than sitting on a vantage point with a buddy, having some laughs, and then – Eventually, by the end of the day, you're you're sprinting down some hill and crossing some river for a bear. You know, that's pretty fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite for sure. Because just like you're saying, you have one tag. And that's all you're focused on. You know, and it's like, you know, with an elk, you know, you're, you know, yeah, you're doing that for the experience. Man, a lot, big part of that is like the meat. You know, and it's like a bear. The meat's pretty good too. But I think just being out there and like breaking off the 
winter's like doldrums and you know getting to see new color getting to see green and like being in like the sunshine i mean man that's one of the best parts of it you know and then having like great laughs upon the on the vantage points i mean that's that's what it's all about you know and that is what it's all about yeah we'll we'll have to connect once season gets rolling here um go find some ticks somewhere <laughs> the last spot we we sat on a vantage point it was right as the ticks were starting to come out maybe we told the story on the podcast but there was literally hundreds of them so I, definitely that time of year the ticks can be bad um in the springtime and they can carry that um lyme disease and rocky mountain fever and things they can be pretty gnarly i've never um i I never get them inside me, but you always make a good tick check at the end of the day. And I think that day we went, we we found hundreds of it. I had some trying to crawl in my ear hole at one point, like off my shoulders yeah. and climbing on it. Like it was gnarly. But I still, we got back and I still found two or three on me. And, and um, But you always want to wear gaiters that time of year or tuck your pants into your socks. You want to tuck in your shirt. Yep tuck in your gear and try to cover up and then just do good checks at night before you go to sleep. Um, you ever, you ever had any of those ticks in you? Uh, you know, it seems like every year I'll get like one starting, you know, it's like, I feel like more than anything, I get them in like my waistline, you know, like that seems to be where they, cause it's like a hot spot, you know? And it's like, ugh, I, you know, I love backpacking, but that is one time a year, like, if I'm backpacking, I like to like camp in the snow almost that time of year. Cause then it's like, they're a little bit less, less prone to be active. You know, if you're like literally camped in the snow, but man, if you're like in the back country that time of year, it can just be like, Oh, like completely nerve wracking. I mean, it can like rattle you to the point of like ruining your hunt. You know, if you're like sitting in the tent at night, trying to comb through all your shit and you're like, you know, you're still finding 15 ticks on you every night. I mean, that can just be like, Oh, Ooh, you know? It just kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies, I guess, and you're just like, I don't know, if it weren't for the ticks, you know. Yeah, well, but. we talk about all the good good points about bear hunting. We also got to talk about the bad, and there's always challenges. And you're right, it can get inside your head, just like grizzly bears or rattlesnakes or just like any challenge you'll face. You know, those ticks, if they're bad and if they're gnarly, yeah, they. I mean, they can get inside your head where that's all you're thinking about, not even focused on trying to kill a bear anymore, but – you know, a lot of the seasons just aren't that bad. And then, um, higher elevation, I tend to get out of them in higher elevation, hunting those bears closer to the snow line. I seem to do better. Um, but they are out in the springtime and it's something you have to consider and do some checks over yourself at night and, um, make sure you don't go to bed with any of those creepy crawlies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My outfitter that I worked for, he, his wife would always make up this tincture. It had like tea tree oil, and something else in it, and uh, a lot of the clients would like spray it on like their, like the, their sleeves, like the cuffs of their sleeves, and then like even the bottom of their pant legs. And that actually seemed to like do pretty well. I mean, you're kind of, you know, if you're like, if you're bow hunting, that's not, you know, I don't know if I'd really advise that because it's like another smell and it's like fairly pungent, you know. If you're rifle hunting, I don't know if it's as big of a deal because it's like you're generally pretty far off from those bears, you know, but. It's something to consider because I know people definitely did have good luck with it, but I just don't like putting on any additional scent if you're trying to, you know, be close. Even like beet, for that matter, has like a pretty, you know, substantial smell. Yeah, what it's a, um, I've heard a, a other guys using stuff um, 
been swearing by it. The uh, it starts with a P as well. Do you know what that stuff is? Oh, the permethrin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they make like somebody makes like a permethrin wash, and you can like wash your clothes in it. And I think it's like fairly scent free. I mean, it is like a chemical, so I don't know, you know, how much you'd want to, you know, really be exposing yourself to that. But I know, I think there's some guys in the industry that like swear by that. Yeah, I think guys have had good luck with that. I'd, I'd try it. I mean, um, you got to have the wind right anyways, you know. It's like if if For any sure. of my human B.O. swirls around, that bear's going to be out of there anyways. Like uh, something else on me, you know. I don't, I, could, <laughs> I don't know that I'd go out wearing cologne, but in that same breath, like the scents <laughs> don't really bother me too much. But, yeah, I, I might try For that sure. for some of that early season. And most of the time it isn't too bad, but just something you have to consider. I mean – Two in my spots, like um, uh, uh, one of my spots I have, snakes start to come out right around in April, and I Ooh. always run into rattlesnakes in there. It's like going on the stock oh, or walking true. back. They're just in there. So, you know, it's another thing I got to consider as well. Uh, along with hunting dangerous game, there's ticks and, and uh, snakes and everything else. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really have. There's a couple places, I guess, down in the southern end of this valley that you can get into it, but we just don't really have, like, snakes over here i mean like you guys do because i mean i definitely hear people like running into rattlers like antelope hunting over there all the time you know <laughs> yes um that's something that'll get inside your head too um hunting in snake country you know when you when you start running into those you know i know um some of my elk hunting i run into them and antelope hunting um those things will get inside your head just like a tick will oh man i think yeah like in the years that i hunted the brakes man i swear like the the snakes would be in my head almost worse than like the grizzlies are when you hunt in grizzly country, you know, cause it's like, dude, so like, it's sketchy. Cause a lot of those places out there, you got to walk through tall grass, you know? And it's just like, I've had some instances where I'm like walking through tall grass and then like, you're going to take a step and that snake coils, you know? And I mean, I don't think I've ever jumped so high in my life. <laughs> oh, I know. I've almost stepped on a few. The worst is when you hear them rattle and you don't know where they are and you're just frozen. Cool. And, like, you can't see that thing around you. You can just hear it, you know. And then I've had it at oh, night, man. too, where one rattles and then, like, three more rattle on the ridge up in front of me. And I'm just going, oh, oh my God, where? how do, am I going to get out of here with a little <laughs> headlamp with the batteries going dead, you know? Oh, that's squirrely. <laughs> Always challenges in backcountry hunting, but um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it'll be awesome. We'll be able to get outside, uh, like you say, get rid of some of this cabin fever and go chase some bears around. So, man, I really appreciate your insight. Like I say, I I think you're the best bear hunter I know. You turn up a bunch of those things every season, have killed a bunch of good ones, uh, both personally and with your clients. So, man, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, appreciate your friendship, too. We've got to make sure we get together and, and uh, go hang out this spring, whether it's bear hunting, fishing. we got to go do something and get life back to normal here before too long. Yeah, dude, for sure. I'm definitely down for that. Yeah. All right, man. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. Cool, dude. Later. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Again, fun podcast with Brandon Purcells. Um I really like that guy, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. Probably more spring bear experience than anybody else I know. So I, I really learned a lot from that guy. Um, just uh, uh, thanks again to him for being on. I also want to thank our sponsors for today's show. So I want to thank Everly Stock Pack. They just build great packs 
they make a different pack to fit your your personal preference or your personal needs as far as day hunting or uh, overnight trips or extended backpacking trips. Uh, they really pack the weight well, um, and, and they hold up to all the abuse I put on them. I've been using them for a handful of years now, and they've packed uh, maybe 20, 30 critters out of the mountain. So they've done me really well. So uh, make sure to give them some love. Also want to thank uh, Matthew's Bows, just building the absolute best bows on the planet. I love their older bows, the Triax and the Vertex, and now they've outdone themselves. This VXR 31.5, the best shooting bow I've ever owned. Uh, don't have any kills with it yet, uh, but looking to get it out here for spring bear and go chase these things around. So super pump. Season opens, I think, the 15th. So let's see, it's 12th Sunday. Got to do math on the podcast, so you guys got to bear with me. But I think it opens Wednesday. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll get out and start chasing those things around, have some good early spots. Just super pumped to start taking my bow for a walk. And uh, get after some of these brunes. I'm really going to hold out for a big one this year or eat my tag. So, um, you know, I, I've shot a lot of good bears. And um, every year I turn up a couple giants. And I just want to have have a chance with those giants with my bow in my hands. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to hold out and wait. And uh, six foot plus, going to find a big one and um, help my buddies be successful. Spend a bunch of time in the mountains. Soak up some good springtime sh- sun and uh, live my best life. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's a two-month season here in Montana. So going to get after them. Um, if you guys are looking to get a subscription to the magazines, EBJ or EHJ, you can text Elevated220 to 22828. Check out the Beyond the Grid, the new episodes dropping, uh, Eastman's Hunting TV, the Outdoor Channel. Um, you can check out uh, Tag Hub. That's... Um, or tag application, well, it's not an application service. It's a research service. Puts um, Compiles all our MRS data and more into one place on the Internet into a searchable format. Um, we'll also have spring bear information up on there. Um, it's, it's hard to tell right now what states are going to allow non-residents to hunt or if they're going to allow residents to hunt or what's going to go on. I know Idaho isn't allowing non-residents. I think I saw that as well with Montana. Um, just trying to stop the spread of this Corona or whatever. So, um, I guess we'll just continue to deal with it and whatever comes our way, we'll overcome. So, um, I really appreciate the support. Oh, check out the new podcast, Eastman's on the fly. It's a fly fishing specific podcast, passion project for me. So, uh, when I'm not hunting, I am fly fishing and, uh, I absolutely love it. It, it just offers so many different adventures, uh, uh day adventures overnight. Um, it, it's just such a, uh, it, it's such a fun hobby to have or lifestyle to have. And, and it's my other love. And so I started this fly fishing podcast, Eastman's on the fly, get it everywhere where, where you can get podcasts this week. I have up, uh, see with springtime fishing it's a solo podcast with me and i'm talking um solo fishing right now i'm really hooked on the the streamers and hunting for big fish also talk about some dry fly action Uh, actually got a couple dry fly eats on friday um on squala hatch so that was fun um and then i also talk about oh uh, uh dry fly hatches and nymphing i get into some specifics so um anyways check it out eastman's on the fly 
thanks a bunch, you guys, for the support. Uh, Instagram, support on the podcast. Uh, this whole thing works because of you guys, so I, I really appreciate it. And uh, with that, check in with you next week.